Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how you doing? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we nursed. Delicious, Lavernius. Shut your face. I'm shaking like a dog. Shit, peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Just like that, we are into the second hour. Welcome aboard. You found the Barbecue Central show. If you've missed the first hour, fear not. You have a whole nother hour to live it up as we talk about live fire stuff. And you can get that podcast tomorrow because while it is a live show from 9 to 11 every Tuesday, I'm also recording it and sending it up to the podcast feed so you can listen at your leisure first hour will be released in about an hour and 25 minutes that's that's a lot two hours let's call it two hours when the feed actually re-energizes and pushes out through the intranets internets the world wide web that will be hour number one so let's call it wednesday and then hour number two thursday still to come on this show tonight daniel vaughn of texas monthly the Country's first full-time barbecue editor will join us. And then to close out the show tonight, Emily Detweiler, CEO of the Kansas City Barbecue Society. Don't forget, you can follow me socially on a bunch of different platforms at BBQ Central Show on things such as Instagram, the Twitter, and TikTok. If you really like doing funny jazz videos, check me out on TikTok. Slash BBQ Central Show on the Facebooks which is where you will also find a live feed of this show. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this Friday, we will be releasing episode 108. Here we go. As we mosey you back not too far back in the day, December 19th, 2017. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever wondered to yourself, who does the voicing for the show's bumpers and promos? It's not me. I'm not the guy that says, we get monthly visitors from a doctor of barbecue and a man named Meathead. I mean, I almost sound like it, but that's not me. No, no. Have you ever wondered who it is? That man's name is David Lee, the Lee monster, baby. Yeah. And on December 19th, 2017, I was finally able to land him to do the interview I had been wanting to do for quite some time. And here's the question you want to ask. Does that guy sound like that in real life or is it produced through effects and other such whatnot? The interview we did was intriguing, insightful. And let me tell you this, through the interview, and it was done with just regular old microphones, he wasn't connected ISDN through his voiceover studio or anything like that, so the voice that you hear is indeed 
the voice that you hear when we're talking on this show when he's doing the intros back. So I can only wonder what it's like to go through life and have that voice. And when we're talking, when he's regaling stories about what it was like to be a DJ back in the 70s, he had that voice. And if you've never seen him, perhaps when you hear him talk as we lead into segments here on this show, you think of a guy that might be a little bit more on the portly side, (laughs) big beard, long hair, Wolfman Jack kind of thing, if you know who that is. It is the antithesis of that in your mind. He, it's more like me, wiry, short hair, movie star, good looks. He just happens to have pipes that very, very few of us have. So if you've always wanted to get a little insight to the really big voice guy of the Barbecue Central show, and by the way, people ask me all the time, who does the voice? Sounds like the guy on Westwood One and the guy that does the promos for the the National Motorcross Circuit and Professional Bull Riding. Yeah, well, guess what? It's the same guy. How do you get him to do that? You ever heard of this thing called Google? <laughs> Works good. <laughs> Type in, who does the voice for Westwood One? Guess what? David Lee's website comes up. Then you go to the website. Then you click the contact button. Then you write him an email that sounds like this. Hey. I have a stupid podcast, live show podcast. I have a stupid internet show that's live that then goes to podcast. Would you be interested or will you read these things that I write for you? If so, give me a rate. And then he replies back in 20 minutes. And says, is it just internet or are you cleared anywhere else terrestrially? And I say, well, of course I'm not cleared anywhere terrestrially. I'm internet based. I'm global. And he said, okay, for these five intros, whatever they were originally, if you can see your way clear, because now let me preface this because I know a lot of you are going to be jumping right onto the internet. And trying to find this guy. Don't take him away from me, number one. Number two, I am pretty well versed at production. So I just needed the dry reads. So in the biz, as we say, he was just cutting liners for me. And then he sent me the raw voice. And then I put the music and effects and all the other stuff in it for a fully produced rejoin. And I said, what is it? Would you believe me if I told you that the first five cost me $400 cheap? But guess what? Not that much. Not that Would you believe $250? No. No, no. How about this? Hold on to your seats. Five dry liners, 75 bucks. Winner! And the first two times I had him do it, I had to send him a physical check, paper check. Uh, Since then, he's upgraded into taking PayPal. (laughs) 
But it was paper check the first two times, $75. So believe me, he's not looking to make money off of the douche in Cleveland with the podcast slash live show or the other way around. I think he's doing me more of a favor. It's like fun. Look at this little guy trying to make something. But this is a national level talent. He's the voice of all clear channel radio. He's the voice of all of your uh, most, all of your uh, classic rock stations. He's the Westwood One guy. I just heard him this past weekend. Now, let's get back to Timmy Jehoshaphat and Booger McFarland on Westwood One. I can't even do that. He just does that. It just rolls out of him. It's amazing. Anyway, long way to go to get to tell you that that's who the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less is going to be this coming Friday. That's episode 108. The Lee Monster rejoins us December 19th, 2017. Wow. All right. I'm debating. I went I I went too long on what I wanted to go. I'll allow ads. I went too far. Jeez, Pete. These damn websites. And all okay, I just stopped it already. What I'm not what no, what I am surprised, am I dropping frames? Uh, what I am surprised as we get into 2020 is where are my chicken sandwich people at? Popeye started a chicken war in 2019, and here's why the food fight figures to continue in 2020, according to USA Today. It's largely thanks to Popeye's, which released its highly anticipated chicken sandwich in August and then again later in the year. Sandwich return took a deadly point of contention when a fight broke out at a Maryland Popeyes, resulting in the stabbing death of a customer. That's right. This is the start of the chicken sandwich war in 2020. It was a war whose weapons were sassy tweets. The spat began innocuously when a Chick fil A tweeted a bun plus chicken plus pickles. But everybody else seems to be wanting to get in on the chicken sandwich. So don't be surprised. Uh, favorite fad foods joints like McDonald's is testing a pair of new chicken sandwiches on its own in Tennessee. And, it, you know, for me, if you're testing a chicken sandwich in Tennessee, it's got to be Chattanooga as far as I'm concerned because I want to make sure that my man Craig Barr has ample opportunity. To run his custom luxury sleds into 10-foot-deep potholes, cracking his custom whip's rims. That's what I want to see. Because when he pulls in a parking lot at 11.30 a.m. to get a chicken sandwich, they better have a goddamn chicken sandwich. That's what he's talking about. Let me talk to you quickly about the barbecue guru. Always believing that outdoor cooking should be fun because it can be. That's right. Especially with the Monolith Barbecue Guru Edition Grill. Monolith is the world's first temperature controlled smoker with a built-in power draft fan. 
This means smarter control, greater freedom with automatic pit temperature control. Easily choose your cooking time and temp. Let the monolith do the work of a sous chef or a barbecue pit master. With minimal effort, you now have oven-like precision at the grill. You can serve the tastiest, juiciest meals each and every time. Remember, if you have a Guru controller already and you buy a monolith that has the fan built in it, just hook the controller to it. You don't need to buy a different controller in order to get this thing up and running. You're ready to go, pretty much. If you have any questions, you call them. 800-288-GURU. If you have any questions, you can visit the website, bbqguru.com, or peruse the inventory. Just make sure if you have any questions, make that phone call so they can have you up and running when the package gets to your doorstep. So good. Longest running sponsor of the show, and we love them. Barbecue Guru, bbqguru.com, 800-288-GURU. Daniel Vaughn, out of the break. Stick around. Be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. This is where I will tell you to go to smokingwithsmithfield.com to sign up for the Committed Cooks program. But guess what? You waited too long and that shit sold out. Most popular Committed Cooks program in the history of the Committed Cooks program. All spots are gone. If anything gets released, I will let you know here. But you can visit smokingwithsmithfield.com just in case something new is dropped before a new show is released for me every Tuesday between 9 and 11. Joining me now, one of my favorite people to talk live fire with, or just talk with in general, Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? Uh, happy New Year to you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. Is it, is it past time we could say Happy New Year? Well, I mean, I th- here's what I think. You tell me if I'm wrong, because you're the master at most. If I haven't talked to you voice-to-voice or person-to-person, and the new year has flipped since the last time we talked. Is it? Is there a time frame on when I am allowed to not say or when I shouldn't say Happy New Year? Because technically, I haven't wished you Happy New Year yet. Uh, a new year has transpired, and we just haven't seen each other yet. Unless you want me to start calling you like you're my first phone call out of the box when the ball drops. I mean, I can't believe I didn't get a call at midnight. That that was really the only acceptable uh, option there. Well, I figured, uh, you know, we were working <laughs> well, on getting you in. You. Yeah, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. And uh, let's talk about the new year. But first, before we talk about that, let's look back at 2019. I asked Stephen Reichlin what he thought, uh, regardless of live fire, but just in general, what he thought the biggest food story of 2019 was. And he gave me two. He thought that the... Not introduction, but the gain of fanfare of companies like Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger uh, really showcased how these type of plant-based proteins were going to be taking a stronghold, not only at the uh, 2019 level, but uh, marching into 2020. But then he also had mentioned another story that I'm forgetting as I'm kind of babbling off at the mouth here. So uh, what do you think the food story or stories of 2019 were in your view? Well, I mean, I'd have to agree with him there, um, but I mean, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but I, I kind of think that's uh, more of my sort of prediction for what's going to happen 
more this year is that uh, we're going to see more of that stuff. You know, the big story, I think, was the fact that all of these things entered the market. Uh, they, they got um, in all certain levels of the market as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, high-end restaurants all the way down to Burger King. And, um, but what we didn't see much of was, uh, was that stuff getting into barbecue. And I mean, I'm, I'm putting my, I do a barbecue news roundup every couple of weeks and, uh, I've already got two stories in there about two different vegan barbecue, uh, restaurants. One's a food truck that is using a uh, smoked, uh, beyond meat, uh, to, uh, stuff their baked potatoes with, um, and another vegan food truck that actually left Austin to go out to California and set up there. Um, I know that Stephen Reichland, I was looking at his predictions for uh, the new year, and he, he just thought that we we're going to see a lot more vegetables as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another place I'd have to agree, agree with him, too, is that I think there's a, a group of vegetarians who really like the idea of eating something that mimics meat, and I think there's a, a group of vegetarians that really enjoy more the, uh, you know, vegetables out of the ground or off the tree uh, rather than trying to, you know, ingest something that came out of a factory um, to that has who knows what's in it uh, that just happens to have the same texture, similar flavor to meat. Do you think that these plant-based proteins are going to enter into the barbecue scene in a form that we're familiar with if you're talking about smoked meat in a taco or in a stuffing a potato i mean that's going to look like probably ground meat to a certain degree but do you see something that's going to look like a rib or a brisket or something along these lines well i think actually what the um what these vegetable plant protein companies have shown us uh when it comes to uh outside the barbecue realm with um, a real focus on making, you know, good a good mimic of a chicken nugget, a good mimic a mimic of a cheeseburger. You know, like these are the things I think that uh, it, when, once you start going beyond those, I think that's when the real pushback happens. Right? It's like when you call something a rib, um, and then it looks nothing like a rib, tastes nothing like a rib. Uh, that's a huge disconnect, and that's also just a, a huge disappointment, right? Well, McDonald's say, gets away with it every year, Daniel. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, but I mean, look at like look at Taco Bell, right? I mean, Taco Bell meat, like who's going to notice if a third of it was uh, plant protein instead of beef, right? right, right. Like who, who's going to know? Who's going to be able to tell the difference? Uh, one of my favorite restaurants that I ate at uh, last year was Eam up in Portland, uh, spelled E E M, and they have Lots of different meat options. They've got they've got ribs, they've got uh, brisket, all kinds of stuff, right? But they also have a fried rice done with brisket right next to a fried rice done with smoked soy curls, hmm. um, a, a plant protein that's often used to mimic um, pulled pork. And you know, I tried it. I didn't like it as well as the as the one with brisket, but it certainly wasn't like off putting. But if they'd called it brisket fried rice, I would have been really disappointed. Hmm. So they're calling it what it is, and, and then that gains yeah. uh, validity with it. Right. I mean, I when I first took this job, like, see, that was a, almost seven years ago now. One of the first places I tried was a brand-new food truck in Austin called Barbecue Revolution. And it was all vegetable proteins. And they used different vegetable proteins to try and mimic specific uh, uh, actual proteins. So they were using... 
uh, garbanzo bean for ribs and, you know, on and on. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they were calling them all by their name, like by what they were trying to mimic. So it was a, um, it was a Satan brisket and like, there's just nothing more disappointing than getting a slice of that and thinking, okay, so you're trying to mimic brisket here. Like it has nothing, no, nothing, no similarities in texture in no similarities in flavor on the fact that it's got smoke and a barbecue rub on it. Um, and uh, again, that was really off putting, but go to a place that says, we're going to give you a pulled jackfruit sandwich, like smoked jackfruit. Like I know what that is. Yeah. Like I, I know you're not trying to hide something from me. I'm certainly willing to try it and judge it on its own merits, but you're not calling it a, you know, a vegan or, or, or veg or a vegetable based pulled pork sandwich. In the business it's world, we talk about setting the proper expectation and that's what you're doing. Yeah. You're not calling it something that it isn't. You're setting the right expectation. It's smoked jackfruit. So you have, well, I don't know if anybody has an expectation of what that's going to be, but you're certainly not expecting something else. Well, I mean, it's really not that much different than going to a place like Bodacious Barbecue, where you can get a chopped beef sandwich, chopped brisket sandwich, or you can get a sloppy joe sandwich. The chopped brisket, that is a good chunk of brisket thrown on the block, chop it up, put it on a bun. The sloppy joe, that's all the ends of the of the trimmings of briskets as they come through the line. They get put off into a pot and sort of get boiled down, simmered down in barbecue sauce. Hmm. Those are two very different things, uh, texture-wise and flavor-wise. But often you will find both of them, depending on which barbecue joint you go to, called a chopped beef sandwich. But at Bodacious, they're like, okay, well, we, we want to make sloppy joe. We want to be able to have this really profitable thing to use, basically use up a lot of the waste that yeah. comes off of our, what would otherwise be waste that comes off of our block, but we don't want to set up an expectation for our customer that it is a chopped brisket sandwich because it's not. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a simple difference. It's still, they still both have brisket in them, but you know, if you're paying three bucks for the sloppy Joe and five bucks for the <laughs> chopped brisket sandwich, that, right. That there's a reason there. There's a difference. Most of it's filler in the form of barbecue sauce, but uh, yeah. So that ex just setting up that expectation that you're you're ordering something that's less expensive, so don't expect it to be like that great choppy sandwich right off the block. Daniel Vaughn joining me here on the show. He is the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly. TMBBQ.com is website at BBQ Snob on the Twitter if you want to get a hold of him. You had mentioned Portland. Do you see, uh, and I'm going to paint with a, a broad, let's call it a, a West Coast barbecue movement, do you see anything like that growing in 2020 as a, a West Coast barbecue movement, something that has been on the rise here over the last two or three years? How do you see it? No, I don't really see it, something traveling up and down the West Coast. You know, if, if so, then I think in Los Angeles, we would have seen a lot more, you know, great places pop up. Uh, and more of a culture built there. I mean, they've had a lot of years of having Texas-style barbecue joints there. Just yep. none of them have been really, really great. Um, certainly, they've got a few more now that are that are better than than what they had five years ago. Uh, I haven't been to a place like Moose Craft Barbecue, but their food certainly looks incredible. Um, but you know, that's one place, and there, there's a couple others. But you go to a place like Portland, and the reason that I called it the best city for Texas barbecue outside of Texas wasn't because it had like 
one or two really great places for barbecue. It was the fact that they had something that represented sort of every segment of the market. They had, they've got the Bullard, you know, it's a hotel restaurant, sit down restaurant with a $65 giant beef rib for two that's served with house made tortillas and and a couple of sides. Um, and they've got a barbecue taco truck and Matt's barbecue tacos, uh, sort of your Valentina's light, I would say, uh, a really great, just straight up barbecue on a tray, barbecue by the pound on a tray and Matt's barbecue. And then the fact that they've actually got a few more that have popped up in a similar model, um, with bark city barbecue and Holy Trinity. Um, you know, just the fact that all of these places exist within the same relatively small city, um, is I think pretty remarkable. And that's why I think it just has, and then it's got that little extra something of having Eam in there, which is a place where you've taken Texas style barbecue and mixing it with a bunch of Thai curries, uh, which is really unique. Uh, Daniel, I have a talking point that one of my embedded correspondents mentioned that we should get your opinion on. And certainly we all know there is a raging love for beef brisket, which we've been experiencing for any amount of years now, especially on the Texas side. But what do we know, if anything, about this pork brisket? Is there such a thing? Well, I mean, there's there's like such a thing as squirrel brisket. I mean, every animal's got brisket. Every animal's got that muscle. Hmm. Uh, it's just, is there uh yeah, I'm sorry, Greg. You you got one of those too. You've got one of those muscles. I, I only um, have two feet. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's certainly not as well developed as the cows, but uh, it's there. And so, with the pork brisket, with with, of course, there is a, a brisket muscle uh, on a pig. Uh, same thing for lamb, but um, sort of in the, in a similar vein when you see something called a pork brisket or you see something called a lamb breast or even a lamb brisket, it's really that brisket muscle attached to uh, a larger portion of the belly as well. And so a pork brisket, you're going to have a section that's basically from the picnic uh, from that lower portion of the leg um, and also going back into the belly. Hmm. And so you're going to get, um, you're going to get that juice belly meat, but the meat up front is going to be a little bit drier. Uh, same with a, a lamb brisket or a, um, a lamb breast. It's going to have that, you know, that front chest muscle, but it's also going to have a lot of the, a few of those first few ribs still attached and some of that belly meat right along with it. Hmm. Uh, I mean, have you had any number of those or just tried them out here and there? I smoked a couple of them. Yeah. And um, it was kind of like, well, Sure, it would be better just to do a pork shoulder or do a pork belly. Is that one of those things, to... too, where if you used the term brisket, your mind is just mentally going to go to beef and you could potentially be set up for disappointment? Well, I mean, I think I think it's the opposite, the reason that they use it. They use it because brisket is cool. And so <laughs> if you can say pork brisket, it's like, oh, well, that's just a, that's like a whole new cut of pork. That must be really cool and interesting. I need to try that. Um and so it's, I think it's more of a marketing thing to use the term brisket. Um, you know, it's, I'll, there's been plenty of burger joints out there that have been grinding up briskets into burgers, but it's only recently where you've seen them really touting it. Like, oh, this is a chuck and brisket burger. This is a hundred percent ground brisket burger. It's like before you just said it was ground beef or you didn't even bother to say it's just 
cheeseburger or hamburger. Uh, but now that, you know, you've been using brisket all this time, well, now you realize that there's some panache that comes with the fact that you, you've chosen brisket as the, as the whole cut, the whole muscle that you're going to grind up for your burgers. Daniel Vaughn joining me here on the show, tmbbq.com, his website. As you had mentioned, you do a roundup every couple of weeks. Uh, recently, you had had something called the $75 baked potato at a place called Burns Original Barbecue in Houston. Um, uh, so is this like a gimmick? It pulls people in it, like the old 96er on uh, uh, the great outdoors or whatever the John Candy and Dan Aykroyd movie was, where if you eat it, you get you know a free steak dinner and a can of balloons or something like that. Yeah, I think there's something. Yeah, I think there's some similarities there. Yeah, they, um, you know, their their stuffed baked potatoes are enormous as is, and I think if you, I mean, if you get one of their stuffed baked potatoes, comes in a styrofoam box, a, a styrofoam to go container, you know, your standard sort of square, um, square container. And it fills it. I mean, mm. fills it. Like, it's one of those where you don't want to pick it up one-handed by the corner because you know it's going to collapse. <laughs> um, so they're, they're single stuffed potato. It's got, you know, their butter and sour cream and cheese and barbecue sauce and uh, green onions and bacon and, and lots and lots of barbecue and barbecue sauce as well. Right. That in itself is impressive enough. And, uh, you know, they – it's sort of a gimmick. I think they decided to, well, what if we put three of those together on one big giant tray? Now, <laughs> if they had found a way to get a potato that was large enough to like mimic or large enough to, uh, uh, to take the place of three normally normal sized potatoes, then, then maybe that would be a, a story, I guess. But yeah, the fact that they're really just taking three potatoes and mm. adding three times as much topping on top of each one to, to give you that. But uh, they say it feeds 15, and um, if I remember right, the story, they, they brought like five people out to try it, and they didn't even get close to putting a dent in the thing. So Yeah, the pictures had plenty left over. Um, would you say this is akin to those dopey, Bloody Mary things that happen where, you know, at, at some oh, point we, we lost track of the drink and we're just stacking shit on top of a glass and hoping it doesn't topple over. It's not just that we lost track of the drink and something like that. It's that everything else is being served in a substandard way, right? You got a cheeseburger, like a mini burger or whatever, a slider stuck with a stone stuck crab claw stuck in that drink. Yeah. It's like, well, by the time you put all that together, that. That that stone crab claw is stone cold, as is the the slider that's on that uh, that big um, toothpick or whatever skewer you've got going on there. Yeah, um, you know it's just like, did you eat this stuff? Did you have you ever put one of these together and then ate everything on it uh, to see what it actually tastes like after it's been hovering over a cold glass of uh, <laughs> filled with Bloody Mary? Like, yeah, yeah. terrible idea. Worst idea. Uh, all right, uh, before I let you go, a couple minutes left. Uh, anything new that you've heard of uh, in regards to the Barbecue Hall of Fame? Uh, I haven't really heard anything new about the Barbecue Hall of Fame. I mean, certainly that story came out about the KCBS. I, I know you've talked about it in the past, um, maybe in the last episode. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I know that any I, any thoughts about having a physical hall of fame 
have uh, probably been sidelined for a good long while since. Oh, I thought with the, the new, um, they have a like new land to start building a whole new situation, right? I thought that would be part and parcel. Oh, okay. Well, you're you're further ahead than I am. I'm sorry. I'm, I apologize. What are you talking um, about? You're on the freaking committee. I'm not on a committee about buildings. <laughs> yeah, but you, uh, you're on the hall of you're on the hall of fame committee. I'm on I'm on the selection committee. When we start talking about names, that's when <laughs> I get involved. <laughs> so you didn't see the story where the American Royal had acquired a whole bunch of land. No, I saw the story where the American Royal was selling off of uh, their offices that they had just finished. Oh, uh, wait, are we getting lost? Are we talking about the American Royal and KCBS? Are we getting those confused? Or is everybody selling everything? Yeah, I think we might be getting these confused. Right, I think well, you're hey, talking you about the KCBS. You've given me something new for my uh, um, for my barbecue news roundup. Yes. I'm, I'm going to need to go research yeah, this. Breaking news but from yeah, the Barbecue I mean, Central show. Make sure you credit me right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Well, I mean, honestly, like I said, as far as the Barbecue Hall of Fame goes, I mean, I get uh, I get involved when we start talking about names, and that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, do you think this is my year, Daniel? Just talk about it. Like, you just pull yourself out of it and give me the double barrel answer. You think this is my year? Uh, wow. Um, I mean, I haven't seen that check yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you might see it sooner than later. I can tell you that. I mean, uh, this is an odd, yeah. right? We're not recording. Right? Oh, oh dear, oh dear. Yeah. Well, um, I think you just. I mean, what you're doing right now is great, and maybe, uh, maybe go think about opening a restaurant and Ooh. write a cookbook too, and then you're a shoe in. All right. Well, uh, those are. I mean, at least one of those things is definitely not going to happen, and it might be more the book than the restaurant. Although. <laughs> They tend to be both pretty risky. We'll see how it goes. In the meantime, if you want to catch up with Daniel, you find him at tmbbq.com on the Twitter, at BBQ Snob. Daniel, always appreciate the time and conversation. We'll do it again soon. Great talking with you. All right, there he is, Daniel Vaughn, the Texas Monthly Barbecue Editor. And uh, I'm not a very good read of people. But I just want to say that if I'm doing my due diligence, he wasn't giving me, oh, what do you call those? The warm and fuzzies. Uh-oh. You think this is my year? Seven second pause. Uh-oh. Are you going to pay me? I think he just asked me to pay him. And I broke a story to Daniel about the American Royal having new ground to build their new headquarters, which is really months old at this point. (laughs) 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 Literally months old. Anyway, Daniel, uh, hit up Emily Park. She's got you. All right, we are going to chase down Emily Detweiler from the Kansas City Barbecue Society next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, this portion of the show being brought to you by the Pit Barrel Cooker. 
if you are looking to get into some hang time coming up go to pitbarrelcooker.com order yours up you got the original pit barrel you got the pit barrel junior you got a host of accessories to make everything awesome stationary circulation stationary rotisserie the best way to go and uh, trust people love the pit barrel cook it's one of those set it and forget it because you're not running on temperature you just set your air intake on the bottom due to altitude and that's it you're off and run don't worry about where the temperature is running at i mean this thing is built to just perform so get over yourself and enjoy what the pit barrel is putting out pit barrel.com for more information all right helping me close the show out tonight is the CEO of the Kansas City Barbecue Society, Emily Detweiler. Hey, Emily. Hey, Greg. How are you doing tonight? I don't know if you knew it or not, Emily, but we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. Heck yeah. Wow, we. Well, I mean. <clears throat> Kingdom. Wow, look at you. Big fan, I see. Nice. So uh, as, as a guy who continues to live in monstrous obscurity as it comes to losing and catastrophic leadership from a football team's perspective of being the Cleveland Browns. It's nice to see somebody who, from top to bottom, is heading in the right direction and saying, hey, if you do it right and you get the right pieces in there and you play together properly, you can run right to the Super Bowl. I mean, it can happen. It can happen. It bet. can happen. There's a lot of parallels there between what you just said and what we're doing today, Greg. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, we're uh, trying to get everything heading in the right direction. So um, let me uh, start here and uh, quickly uh, take a look back at the NPR affiliate uh, article detailing on some things that were going on with KCBS. And uh, they were detailing out what appeared to be some pretty serious items. And uh, I don't want to spend a inordinate amount of time here because there's a lot of other cool stuff to talk about but um you tell me how you see certain things and um from a high level do you think just like as we talk about journalism and i talked to meathead about it last week do you think that unbiased reporting is at some point will resurrect itself or do you think somehow we've crossed that threshold and it isn't going to matter anymore. Whatever you think you want your truth to be, you're going to talk to a group of people and you'll find who agrees with you and that's just going to be it and we're just going to have to live with it. Well, you know, Greg, I think there's definitely, um, there's a lot of sensationalism. I think, unfortunately, and perhaps um, as a society and media world, perhaps we've somewhat done it to ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody's looking for that next click. We see it in, in the way everybody manages their social media pages, et cetera. You know, if you're trying to drive your clicks, drive your engagement, et cetera. Um, I do believe, though, that there is an opportunity and certainly a responsibility to make sure that all sides all sides are told um, of the story and, you know, doing so on a timeline um, of the story, I think is important. And, and if you can't get... Um, unbiased information from all sides. Maybe there's a reason, but also, you know, maybe you should think twice about uh, whether it's published or not. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, Greg, we're trying to do so many good things, and so many, so are so many other organizations and these outlooks, et cetera. So, you know, I think it's, it's a blip, um, but we'll get through it. And honestly, great things have happened since. Let me ask you a few quick questions here, and then we'll move on to the KCBS banquet recap and all that other good stuff. 
when you read the article, uh, depending on how you're reading it, um, and, and this is the one I want to start with, uh, specifically Carolyn Wells, it made it sound like, uh, depending how you're reading this, she's either fed up with what was going on at KCBS or perhaps worse, being pushed out of her executive role or his executive director's role. Where is the truth in that? That's a very fair question, Greg. So, you know, the truth in that is obviously the entire organization continues to be really proud of of the work that Carolyn and Gary laid uh, in terms of building the foundation for the organization. You know, when I came on board, it was made very clear to me right away that, um, you know, a strategy had been put in place in 2018 by the board at the time. Um that she would be moving into more of, um, you know, a historical and ambassador role beginning in 2020. And so, you know, toward the end of 2019, the existing board uh, essentially ratified that um, amendment to to put that into play. And so that has been a long-term strategy, and that also, from a transition standpoint, um, is also what paved the way to create an executive role um, for more of the day-to-day leadership of the business. So all of that has been planned for quite some time. Um, you know, I heard there were rumors circulating at the Jack, you know, that I had come in to uh, remove Carolyn from her position. And that <laughs> made me laugh because it couldn't have been further from the truth. And again, this was all put in place. And, you know, we're so grateful to to still have her be part of the overall you know, day-to-day from a team perspective and, and honestly taking away a lot of the, the burden of the day-to-day operations from her so that she can focus on more of the fun things. And, um, you know, I think she, from what I have witnessed, uh, she's been very happy about that. So, you know, I think it was a little sensationalized in terms of how it was written. Um, it's definitely been in place for quite some time. And, you know, this was this was just literally outlining the strategy that was already in place. Uh, Emily, it's easy to quickly blame or finger point at the folks who are currently sitting on the board today. But when you stop and take a look at this from a realistic standpoint, you have to understand that there were decisions being made in 2017 and 2018 that kind of helped proliferate the position that we're at present day. So as you look back on, I mean, you know, you've been in this position a, a little while now, and you're able to start to look back on previous administrations. Are there things that you can specifically point to that were p- helping KCBS uh, into this bad position that we're in now that you're starting to correct? Yes. You know, I think it's interesting because when you read this article, it obviously would make you think that everything started to begin from a, you know, an issues perspective in February of 2019, and that is just simply not true. You know, the the building was called into question, well, the building was purchased in 2015. Um, It was quickly listed for uh, leasing. The leasing agent was hired in 2017, and then it became an opportunity to sell. So, you know, all of those things have been in place for quite some time. So, uh, just in terms of how things were approached from a from a timeline perspective and from a rationale perspective, you know, again, these things were already in place. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the vision was in 2015 when this building was purchased. I'm sure it, there was a lot of great thought that went into why a building might be necessary um, and opportunities, you know, to, to lease it out and to have event space and things like that. Well, 
unfortunately, it just didn't happen. And so, you know, the building has been for sale essentially since 2017. Mm. So, you know, it's, it, it, again, things are made to sound like this was all happening right away. Well, that's, or kind of last minute, but that's, that couldn't be further from the case. You know, the building was under contract almost a year ago and it, that contract fell through. So, you know, it's just, um, there have been quite a few decisions made along the way that led to the situations that exist now. And, you know, part of why I was brought in very much was from kind of a turnaround perspective and to help um, bring some additional financial responsibilities and marketing responsibilities to the organization. And I take that very seriously, and I know that the board does as well. So um, has the last year and a half or so been tough? Yes. Um, it has been, and unfortunately, those have been some of the results of decisions that were made long before, but rather than finger point, I think the best thing we can do is come together as an organization to to really develop the right way forward to make sure that KCBS can continue to be a very strong organization and very healthy um, financially as we move into the future, and that is absolutely what my focus is and certainly what the board's focus is as well. So you mentioned marketing, and given those skills which you had obviously demonstrated at a very high level at Smithfield and coming into KCBS, bringing that responsibility in-house, that being the marketing, seems like a great idea. Is it also to correct to assume that the contract that KCBS had with First Club Marketing was more detrimental than beneficial as it relates to how that company was getting compensated for their work or not necessarily? You know, that's, that's definitely kind of a, a tricky question, Greg. As you know, um, First Club Marketing has filed suit, so I just really need to, to be careful in terms of what we we talk about there. Okay. What I will say in terms of, you know, bringing the position in-house, um, I think it just has such a tremendous opportunity to be a part of the day-to-day, you know, team And, you know, there's so many moving parts and pieces that happen so fast. I know everybody says, oh, this is barbecue, you know, don't work on a Sunday night or whatever the case may be. But (laughs) things move really quickly. And there's a lot of kind of synergy that comes from the team being together in the office and talking about the impact of, you know, whether it's putting together different contest series for a potential partner or how we're going to communicate that and share share things out across all of our different channels and things like that. So, you know, when you think about the value of having that position be in-house, there's a tremendous value to that that comes from the deep knowledge that the staff has of what we can do and how we can best engage our members for our partner's benefit, but also... Um, You know, there's just a a tremendous um, opportunity, I guess, in terms of that being part of the team, uh, living it day to day, uh, and also, you know, from a cost perspective, not having not having commissions commissions involved. So, you know, I think overall, in general, it's just just such a positive opportunity for for us to come together and and have that be a critical member of the team. Emily Detweiler joining us here on the show, CEO of the KCBS, the website kcbs.us, if you want to check it out here while we're chatting. Um, One of the things you see or we're reading was, uh, you know, where is the membership at and people are jumping ship, blah, blah, blah. So let's uh, ask the right question here. What is the fitness level of KCBS membership right now as we're looking into the beginnings of 2020? Absolutely. So that's a great question. So, you know, some of the things that were pointed out were that uh, membership was declining and that, you know, numbers were around the 17,000 mark. Well, those 
that's that's actually not true. So membership numbers are up since October. We've had um, we've had over a thousand new and or renewed members uh, from that time period um, that were up. So you know those numbers are very encouraging. We're actually over eighteen thousand three hundred members um, as of a current report we pulled last week. So uh, active members. So. You know, I think when you start looking at that, you're starting to see the trends coming in. I've actually seen it. I uh, get a daily report in terms of what transactions occurred the, the day prior. And what I can see is that, um, you know, numbers are definitely trending up. We had a lot of strong response, people wanting to participate in the election, the recent election for the new board um, of directors. So, you know, I think that's very encouraging because what it tells me is that the membership is engaged and they want to, you know, new people are interested, obviously, but also um, the existing membership is engaged and wants to be part of uh, the development of the future. So, you know, I think about those things as extremely positive uh, for the organization. Uh, Emily, let's talk about the thing that happened this past weekend, which is the KCBS uh, end of year banquet takes place in Kansas City, just from a 30,000-foot perspective, because I think you have a unique perspective here. I think the last couple times you've been there, it's been as a Smithfield mm-hmm. representative and or partner, and this time around, it's within the KCBS wall. So how did you think the event went this time? You know, that's a great question. I would say I experienced it from a totally different angle, which was awesome. Um, it was so encouraging to see so many people come out to the banquet from literally from all over the country. We had some of our great friends and reps from Canada come to visit. Um, we actually had a cook team from Canada come to visit. Um, so, you know, I think that was great. Um, the session attendance was uh, a lot stronger than I thought when I was there as a partner a few years ago. Um, so I think, you know, that was really great. We had really interesting sessions on marketing and brand building put on by Richard Fergola and Megan Day. So engaging. That room was practically full. Um, we had uh, some really great sessions about CBJs, organizer committees, um, things like that. So it was really, really positive. And, you know, we had a ton of fun uh, at the banquet itself. And, you know, there were a few people who had to cancel based on weather. Um, literally, the Kansas City Airport was shut down for a good portion of the day on Friday. But uh, so we had people getting, you know, maybe getting as far as St. Louis or Tulsa, and then having to drive from there. But man, they made it, and we had a heck of a good time. Uh, Emily, from a, well, I, I guess I wonder because all I think about it at the banquet, uh, and you can tell me if this is an incorrect assumption on my part, but I mean, are the majority of people showing up people that are competitors or? Uh, is that incorrect? Are the majority of them just uh, KCBS members and then a smaller bank makes up the competing contingent? That, you know, that's an interesting question. It's kind of a mix, honestly. I would say it means a little bit more toward judges and you know, mm-hmm. KCBS members. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a really nice contingent of teams there this year as well. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, it was fun to be able to... Uh, to recognize um, all of our, t- our team of the year finalists, and uh, certainly fun to see Boomerang sweep all of the categories and overall. Um, they're just such great competitors and so friendly. And you know, I think um, Matt and Sarah wearing their Rip Queen and Rip King uh, jackets was fun. Um, 
and, you know, we also saw a few new traditions start this year with the belt buckles from Reagan, La Pasadita, and uh, Brad Leminger, uh, and Matt Walker. So that was really fun. Um, you know, we've been trying to recognize these toy finalists on all of our social channels. But we also had a great opportunity to recognize um, some different types of people within the organization. So this year we started a uh, CBJ, Certified Barbecue Judge, um, nomination as well. And we were able to recognize a few of those folks. So, uh, you know, we shared that at the at the banquet, but we recognized six different um, certified barbecue judges from across the country, one internationally, uh, and unfortunately one had passed away just the beginning of January. So, oh um, you know, we'll be sharing his uh, award with his friends and family. Um, but we have, you know, we always recognize our Wells Award winners. So, uh, the Carolyn Wells Award is all about ambassadorship and really spreading that positive message of KCBS. So this year we awarded that to uh, Marge Plummer, PhD. For anybody that has ever met Marge, you recognize her immediately uh, by her stature and by her cute little tiny hat. She's just the funniest lady, but um, <laughs> she has attended or, or been a part of over 400 barbecue contests in her life. So I just think that's amazing. Um, and then we also recognize uh, for the Gary Wells Award, that's all about sportsmanship. And we recognize Rick Randini from California uh, in that regard. And, you know, he his nominations really talked a lot about how he's been very giving of his time as a cook and a judge. Um, he really helps let um, those judges going for their master's come out and cook with him, at, at which was requirement for their process there. Um, but, you know, just a really great sportsmanship mentality. So, um, anyway, those were some of the fun awards that we that we gave out. And then we did have a chance to also recognize Carolyn uh, for all of her contributions. Again, as we said before, she's not going away. Uh, she's just moving into a different role. But it was really nice to be able to honor her. Um, and we presented her with a fantastic, she loved Waterford Crystal. So, we got her a nice Waterford Crystal clock that had the original KCBS logo on it, as well as the current logo. So it was wow. really cool, and I, I think she was really touched by that. Overall vibe as you're kind of milling around, I mean, do you think that the contingent is galvanized and they feel positive going forward here through the year and you know into the next five, six, seven years? Yeah. You know, we've gotten a tremendous amount of feedback. My phone's been blowing up. Carolyn's has been blowing up. Just people saying, you guys are absolutely on the right track. Don't let some of the distractions of the last few weeks get you down. Um, you know, we've got to stay focused on continuing to build a bright future for the organization. And that's really helpful, you know, when you hear that kind of message um, consistently, you know, and we see it as well in the membership numbers that we're seeing in terms of renewals and new members coming on, as I mentioned before. So, you know, I think that's good. We're also starting to see more engagement as well with folks sharing the fun, you know, and sharing their success um, on social on social media. So, you know, we would certainly encourage, uh, encourage our members to continue to show off their love of, of KCBS and the family and friends that really makes up, you know, competition barbecue and, and, and barbecue in general, not just competition, but, um, you know, we are starting to see people really using that IMTCBS hashtag or that KC Barbecue Society hashtag um, quite a bit more. So that's good. I mean, those are all things that really speak to the fact that people are excited and they want to be a part of this time period. And, uh, you know, I think that Walker of Boomerang Barbecue said it best, 
He's a man of few words, but man, when he got up to give his little acceptance <laughs> speech for team of the year, he said, let's just get the politics out of this and let's go out and have a good time. And, you know, I, I applaud him for saying that. I think his hearing it from him uh, means a lot more perhaps to some than hearing it from me, sure. uh, which is fine. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of great things that we have done and will continue to do. And certainly as we, you know, as we all work together to try to grow the future of our organization, I think we all know that we have to continue doing the great things we're doing, but we also have to reach out and, and bring more people in to into the sport. And that means attracting the younger audience and just doing things differently and showcasing the fun. Um, and it's hard to do that when, you know, if you're focused only on what happened in the past or the negatives or things like that. So, you know, we're, we're ready to, to shake it off in the words of my, uh, my favorite Taylor Swift. I may have, may or may not have given everybody a little show. <laughs> setting, a setting stage on Friday night. We shook it off and had a good time. <laughs> CEO of KCBS is Emily Detweiler breaking down the 2019 KCBS banquet. Uh, Emily, I uh, really appreciate the time this evening, the openness and the candor. And we will look forward to talking to you again shortly. Sounds great. Thanks, Greg. You got it. There she is, Emily Detweiler, your KCBS CEO, and uh, answering questions right here on the show, which I certainly appreciate. Uh, If you want to take a look at membership, kcbs.us is the website. Also, a whole bunch of other information, meeting notes. Results of contests, all the good stuff. If you're in the following contest. You know, I'm debating in 2020, am I going to start to try and reintroduce competition barbecue to the show? I'm having that conversation with myself and the circle of trust, as it were. Let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers before we turn this show off this evening. It's a one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies. Get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything at Big Papa Smokers has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling, Big Papa Ball himself. 13 perfectly balanced rubs and flavors and seasonings. So you can turn ordinary meals to extraordinary if you want to step it up a notch further. Jump over and check out their supply of Simply Marvelous barbecue rubs as well. Put Big Papa and Simply Marvelous together. You got the West Coast offense. That just wins. I mean, if you're interested in winning, do the West Coast offense. They also own Granny's Barbecue Sauce. So if you're tired of what's out there on the market right now, looking for something new, Granny's Barbecue Sauce is something you're going to want to try. And, of course, they do have the cookers. If you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out the Mac 2-Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer, and they even offer special packages if you're not a fan of pellet smokers. Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. If you have any questions about what you should get, call them, 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop the website, bigpapasmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O. PPASmokers.com. We are back to wrap this whole baby up. Stick around. Be right back.
legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Wimpy. Welcome back. Thanks again to Emily Detweiler from the Kansas City Barbecue Society, KCBS.us, if you want to check them out. All right, let's go ahead and beat it out of here. All the way back in the first hour, Stephen Reichland joins us for the first time in 2020. And we talked about meatless grilling. We also talked about some other 2020 topics like pellet grill proliferation. We're still on a did he poo-poo it or did he not? He said he did not. Other people are smelling a little poo-poo. Then we had Robin Lindars after Stephen. We talked about whole boar cooking because her husband Scott took down three wild boars in the 30-acre lot. Second hour, Daniel Vaughn, Texas Monthly, stopped by and had a great chat with him. And we closed it out with Emily Detweiler from the KCBS. Big show planned for you next week. It's the fourth Tuesday, so making his first reoccurring appearance, Derek Riches will be in from DerekRiches.com. And then, of course, in the second hour, we have the embedded correspondence. I can tell you this, steak will be on the agenda. I may or may not get to my runner's high take, top of the second hour. We'll see. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. Yo, pot! This is Meet Mitch, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Pop.